We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington.
right now for our little ones, our middle ones, and our older ones as well. They did a fantastic job. So you guys, kindergarten to fourth grade, you guys are dismissed. They're going to go have an incredible Easter party today, and it's going to be amazing. We are so glad you're here this morning. We are going to have an amazing day. 
I'm thankful that God, whatever he begins, he finishes. And it's incredible and it's perfect in the way that he does. So I do wanna tell you very quickly though, because today is gonna to be a, a, a fun packed day, a vision packed day. A couple things, a quick announcements. One, we do have our backdrop set up in the Grand Hall. You can take pictures with your kids. Uh, we have the really cool um, uh, Easter egg one, as well as our expression one. So feel free today to take pictures in front of that. And then also, there will be no youth tonight just because it's Easter. And I know many of you are gonna be rushing with, to be with your families today. So I just wanna encourage you to do that, but there will be no youth service here tonight. But I am thrilled with what God is doing in this place. Are you glad to be in church this morning? You know what, I'm thankful that he rose. I'm thankful that because he is alive, we are alive also. And I'm thankful that there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. That without the shedding of blood, there was no remission for sins. If you know this little chorus with me, sing this along with me. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? I love this. Just bring some faith. Come on. Hey. 
in this place this morning and just surrender ourselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who came for you and came for me. Amen. You stood outside my grave with tears still on your face. Here we go. 
you know, that bridge of that says that you are a miracle working God. Now, if you're in this place this morning and you believe that he is the miracle working God, would you just raise your hand? See, I know it's, it's easy to read our Bible and see that he was and that he can be or he could possibly be the miracle working God. But it's a difference to raise your hand and say that you are a miracle working God. I was reading in the book of Genesis and uh, a familiar story ran across me. You know, whether you've been raised in church or not, I'm sure that you've probably heard or even heard a reference to Noah and the ark. They even made a movie about it, Evan Almighty, and it references a lot of that story. Now, if you know me at all at this point, I had to go to Webster's and read the definition of miracle. And this is what it says. It says an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. And so when I went to the book of Genesis and I started reading about Noah, I started seeing that that this, this has nothing to do with something that I can reason out in my mind because if I'm gonna reason out what the miracle is here, I've seen it rain before. A few years ago, I survived the Nashville flood. Now, it didn't flood the whole earth, but it was pretty scary. Now, if I've gotta trust what I think is the miracle, it's Genesis 5.32. See what you think? Noah was 500 years old and Noah became the father of Ham, of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's a miracle, fellas. That's a miracle. But if you go on to verse 6 and you start reading down, we get to verse 14. And God says to Noah, he's been, he's been telling him, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not cool with how things are going right now. And so in 14, he says, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And he goes on from there to, to describe to Noah what he wants him to do, how he wants him to build it, and how it goes on. Now let me explain to you what the Lord showed me when I was reading this, is Noah obeyed before the first drop fell out of the sky. And what hit me about that was, the miracle was that Noah, his family, and the animals that came two by two, survived the whole thing. That's what we see as a miracle. But the beginning of the miracle started when Noah grabbed the first tool and the first piece of gopher wood and said, I don't see any rain. Nevertheless, at your will, I'm going to build this boat. Whenever he went through the next however long it was of obstacles, of people coming up to Noah and going, man, you have lost your mind. Why are you building a boat here in the middle of nowhere? And why is it that big? You've got to be crazy. But he had a word from the Lord and an obedient spirit which caused a miracle to be on its way. I came to encourage you this morning, no matter if you've been in church your entire life or if this is the first time you've been in church ever or for a long time, the Lord is moving in your life and he is speaking to you through unlikely places. 
And so it is time for you to respond and say, look, I'm here this morning. So I believe that he has to be a miracle working God because this guy up here with a mic right now is, is saying it. And I feel this thing going on inside of me that I can't explain. So it must be a supernatural miracle on its way to my life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you receive that this morning, that there is a miracle on its way? So I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever avenue it is that you are speaking to your people right now, we respond and say that we declare and we know that it is a word from you. It is the beginning of a miracle and some may not ever see what it was like on the backside of it. They may not ever know what it's like to know the sacrifice of the yes that we gave you of God. God, I will do this. I will say this. I will be this. But God, we say yes, nevertheless, to you because you are the miracle working God. You are the miracle working God in the name of Jesus. Somebody lift your voice and praise him. Now say you are. You are. Miracle working God. Come on, lift your voice. You are a miracle working God. 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 You are. that because he touched me
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you find two or three people around you right now? Just look at them and say, he touched me. He came for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, happy Easter. Are things all good? Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, you look, you look fantastic. You look great. I even pulled out a tie this morning. <laughs> the last tie I wore was at a wedding. Time before that was at a funeral. I was in a business world for a long time and it was ties every day. So, happy Easter. In fact, this is the, the tie that I wore when Lindsay, um, my middle daughter, was getting married. And I actually had, had the privilege of marrying her. So I pulled this tie out today because it was Eastery. And you guys did too. You guys look incredible. Look at you. Look around you. Look at somebody beside you. Be careful. Look at somebody beside you. And look how wonderful they look. We are honored and privileged to have you here today. Um, God is doing incredible things uh, all across the, the world. It's the best time to be alive. It really is. And I just want to encourage you that you didn't come here today by accident. If somebody invited you, then it was on purpose. And it wasn't just on purpose from them. It was on purpose from God to invite you here today. And if you came because you just felt compelled to come, wanted to be in church this morning on Easter Sunday, well, you're welcome to be here as well. But also, God brought you here on purpose. We are just finishing up as our home church, as the family or the membership of the church and the regular attenders that come here weekly, just for you that are visiting today. We just are completing our first 90. First 90 was January 1st through today, 90 days. It was January 1 through April 1st was Easter, which is Easter, and also April Fool's Day, right? So today finishes 90 days, and 90 days of foundation. We had 90 days of just plowing, 90 days of, of, of having vision, 90 days of uh, putting a test to the, what God has for your life. It wasn't like resolutions. It was like a, this is, we're gonna press in to what the Lord has. And uh, we have had some incredible, incredible, incredible testimonies. But just because the 90 day ends today, we're gonna launch into something in the next 50 days because between Passover and Pentecost is 50 days. And Pentecost is the day the power of the Spirit of God came on the earth. And I don't know if you all know this or not, but I'll let you in on a little secret. When the Spirit of God came upon the earth 50, uh, or in, in, on the day of Pentecost, a little over 2,000 years ago, the Spirit of God never left. Amen. Right? So things began to change and life changed and the way we live life and the way life lives through us all changed. And we're gonna talk about that some today. First thing I wanna do though is I wanna give you the privilege of coming together in the house of, uh, of worship and giving your tithes and your offerings of those that are prepared to give. Those that are not, we're gonna give you a moment to get prepared to give. 
all right? There are offering envelopes underneath your chairs. Um, you can make your checks payable to ECH or Expression Church of Huntington. Uh, today is also the first of the month, so it's your first fruits for those of you that uh, know what I'm talking about. It's your first fruit offering time, and you're able to give that as well today. Um, no gimmicks. We believe in giving and tithing. We believe in uh, giving to the Lord and uh, not, not tipping like we're at a restaurant because the service was good, right? The, or the service is bad, you pull a little bit away. That's just not how this works. God gave you his best, so we believe giving God back to him. His, but he doesn't need your money. He wants you to tie in and connect into his economy. That's what this is about. It's a kingdom, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an economy in the kingdom that bypasses this world's way of living. And... Um, the, the, the Bible says if you, the Lord's into multiplication and um, the, the world is into, you give to get, but not in the kingdom, you get and then you're able to give, right? God gives you, he blesses you, he gives it to you and he wants you to give back to him. Why? Not, to, not because you owe him. You can't pay back what you owe the Lord anyway, Amen. Right? God has blessed us. So if you would, we also have another way of giving. If you want to tithe or off, give your offering today by text message, which is really where most people are giving these days. Um, 84321 is the text message. You'll put 84, you'll type in your message, 84321, and then you'll put the dollar sign and the amount that you want to give. It'll come back to you a link, kind of like your iTunes account did the first time. You go in and put your bank information, credit card information, debit card, whatever you're gonna give, and then it'll come back and the receipt comes back to you immediately so you have record of it. And at the end of the year, we also send out a record uh, for you. But it's just an easy way of giving. Um, that way you don't have to write checks. If you wanna write checks, you certainly can, but you're able to do that by text giving. So you text the number 84321, dollar sign and your amount, and whatever, whatever the Lord lays upon your heart to give. Amen? You guys are amazing. You all, do you realize those little ones that were down here coming down here with those little drums? Did you see that? They made those drums in class and they walked down here and I got to hear you watch yesterday watching this thing. And as I watched it, I got to crying because those little ones weren't even born when we started this part of this, this church. See, you don't have a clue what you're doing that the Lord tells you to do. Who's gonna benefit because you haven't even seen all the effects of what God has called you to do and who it's gonna affect. I mean, you saw some little ones down here. They were banging on those drums and like it was, it was all there was to it. It was incredible to see their smile. And I remember when we walked in this building and there wasn't any of this. We're not building a building for a building. We're building a building for little kids to come down here and bang on the drums, right? That's what this is about. So are you prepared to give? Let's do it. I'm gonna pray. Father, we thank you for all those here today that could have spent any Easter anywhere else, but today they've chosen to come and to be a part of this service and this worship experience. So Father, we ask you to bless them beyond measure. Lord, give them insight of their lives and the, the, the call and the purpose and the plan and the dream that you've given for each one of them. Allow them to see and catch hold of what this thing is all about. Let them put aside all the things from yesterday and the past and let them see a fresh perspective and a, and a fresh breath of your, of your air that comes right into their breath 
and you become the breath that they live, the life that they live. So Father, as we give our offering and our tithe to you, we bless you with this, with such a cheerful heart, knowing God, that you are blessing your people beyond measure. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Let me tell you something real quickly also where you're giving, and if some of you are still giving. How many first-time guests do we have here today? If you just raise your hand, say, hey, that's me. We got them all over the place. All over here. Thank you very much for coming and being a part of this today. We hope it's not your last. So if you want to do this for us, we're asking you to text to connect with us. And there's a text number on the screen, 304-802-4324. All you need to text is your first name and last name, and we'll make a contact with you. And just let us know, and we'll connect you, no pressure. You know, you're not going to be able to put on our mailing list. We're not going to let you send out offering envelopes to you. You don't have to worry about all that, all right? All you need to do is just type your name and your, um, your when you text, we'll get it back from you, and then we'll call you... Uh, and this week and just kind of connect with you. We like to know why God puts our steps together. We don't believe God does anything by accident. We just don't. So what is it that God has for your life? Where are you in your life? Well, God might have just sent you here for a reason and a purpose, and I believe that he did. So text your number to, or your, your name to us. We'll contact you back. Even if you've never filled out a card, or if you wanna fill out a card, the ushers have those cards too. If you'd rather not give the text number and we're, we're just fill out a card, you can drop that off to one of the ushers when we go. I'm excited today because this is our first full service living in our building, but it's also our first service. I have seen so many wonderful, incredible testimonies over the last 90 days, but over the last five years in particular. So I'm excited and honored for you all to be a part of what God is doing. So are you ready? This is gonna be one of the greatest days you'll ever experience. I only had to work five more years and I would have been ready to retire at 60. It's just been one opportunity after another, just like it's been one obstacle after another. The world thought we'd lost our minds, really. What's going on here? As I said, either God's going to heal me or um, I'm going to maybe just look into disability. Back in August of 2017, I lost a job of 17 years. Wasn't really sure how things were going to go, how we were going to make ends meet. There's not much opportunity in this area and was completely devastated. We started Grindstone in, on Memorial Day 2016 and it's just been one big journey. We started with a little coffee truck and we had no idea where this opportunity would take us. It's been a dream of Helen and mine and our family to be involved in this industry for a long time and coming here to the States, we didn't think this is the place where that would happen. We didn't necessarily come here to do this. and. We didn't really know how this dream was going to manifest or if this was going to be something that was going to have to be parked for a few years.
Um, well, I've had Epstein-Barr for at least 15 years that I know of. And um, for all that time, you know, I, I was able to work and to, you know, do things mostly. Um, the last few years, it's really gotten worse. And I had to step out of um, a full-time position. And I also uh, gave up ministry because I just wasn't able to function anymore. And for the past year, the Lord has been, several times, He asked me, do you want to be healed? And I almost just kind of put that aside because I had fear there. And so it was about a week before actually the Lord healed me. And Lonnie and I were talking and I told him, I said, I can't do this anymore. I am so done. I said, I keep trying to work. I can only do part-time position. Um, and I said, I'm just, I'm just done with it. You know, my wife and I prayed about it, and then we started talking about the first 90. I had a vision and a dream that he would continue to do what he had been doing for 17 years. And I wrote it, I made a plane, prayed about it, and he was blessed with another job that was similar to what he had been doing for 17 years. You know, the first 90's been an interesting journey for us and our family. You know, Helen and the kids have been great. We've found a great location. It says in the book of James, you know, to count all these obstacles all joy, count all these trials all joy, and it's like, God, where's the joy in this? But, you know, God's been showing us that these passages of growth are there to strengthen us, to grow us, to stretch us. And like PK always said, I wouldn't want to do it again, but I'm glad I did it. During that week, the Lord spoke to me again and He said, do you want to be healed? And I said, yes, but. And I told Him, I was just very honest with Him, I don't want to go back to the way I was. And He said, so you're more powerful than me? I thought, wow, Lord, for you to ask me that, then I know you're going to heal me. So now it's getting to invest my life and what really matters, which is people, and that they really need to know our God and who Jesus really is and how He really loves us. If I was gonna sum it up, I would say not to let go of your dreams. I close my eyes and I can see the world that's waiting for me that I call my own Through the dark, through the door, through where no one's been before But it feels like home They can say, they can say it all sounds crazy Say I've lost my mind I don't care, I don't care So call me crazy We can live in a world that we design Cause every night I lie in bed The brightest colors fill 
God had a dream. From the very beginning, God had a dream. A dream was never to have a clone. A dream was to have a son. In Psalms, he says, heaven is for me, but the earth is for the sons of men. God had a dream for him to be able to have fellowship, to be able to look from heaven on the earth and see a reflection of himself. And he wanted a man, he wanted a, a people to populate and repopulate the earth. So when he looks down, he sees his offspring and he says, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, I'm gonna give you everything you need. I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna give you everything you need. I'm gonna give you the very breath from heaven 
and I'm gonna, I'm gonna place that inside of your, your veins as your blood. And you're going to have the very DNA, the very essence of God is gonna be in you. He said, all you have to do is take a look as far as you can see. And as far as you can see and as far as you can believe, all those things will be available to you. He said, Adam, I want you to dream. I want you to think about what it looks like. What do you want it to be? In fact, Adam, I'm gonna bring you these animals that I've created and I'm gonna have you name them whatever you want them to be. You don't even have to counsel with me. I want you to, to name them. I want you to pick them from your heart. Adam, I'm not looking for you to be just somebody that, that is just a, a clone. I'm not looking for somebody that just is, is a robot. I need you to have your own free will, your own choice. And through that choice, I'll be able to show you that I chose you. And if I chose you and you have a choice, I'm hoping that you'll choose me. But even if you don't, Adam, I'm willing to take my chance. I'm willing to take my risk because you'll never experience my true love unless you know that the very foundation of love is choice. You have a choice to make. I don't wanna control you. I don't wanna dominate you. I'm not trying to make you make decisions. I'm not trying to, to, to scare you or force you. No, Adam, I have to have you to have the liberty and the freedom to choose. If you choose, you'll see the consequences of those choices. Now, Adam, I placed two trees in the garden that are very significant that I wanted to make notice of. The first one is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's in the middle, and the other one is the tree of life. If you use the tree of life, that's your spirit. That's, that's, that's me. That's, that's, that's connection to heaven. I never designed you to have to figure this life out. I never designed you to have to weigh out your options and to look at your good side and your bad side. I never weighed you that, made you that way. He said, but if you eat of that knowledge of good and evil tree, that tree is self. And once you eat of that, your eyes are gonna be open. You're gonna begin to die. And all the light that you see right now that gives you the ability to dream, the ability to, to vision, the ability to take risk and knowing that I'm guiding you, all that light goes dim. You have to figure it out yourself. You have to weigh out your options. You have to look at the good, look at the bad, and see what your, what your percentage is. Adam chose to follow after his help me. He said, God, you've gave, given me this woman and now she has partaken of that tree that you told us not to, but I have to eat of that tree. Eve was deceived. Adam was not. Eve was deceived by the enemy thinking that all this was gonna be good for you, not realizing she had everything she needed. But Adam had to make a choice because God made Adam with a choice. And he said, Adam, what, choose, what are you gonna choose? You're gonna choose her to follow or, or are you gonna follow after her or are you gonna follow after me? Adam looks at God and makes a choice that says, God, you put her, she's from me, you put her in my life. And he says, 
She's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's the woman that you gave me. It's my bride. She's everything to me. I have to choose her. Adam made a willful decision knowing what he was doing because the love that God had placed in his heart for his bride caused him to make the choice to follow after her. In other words, he said, I can't leave her out here by herself. I can't leave her empty. I can't leave her alone. She didn't know what she was even doing. She made the wrong decision. And God, you put such a love for me in her and for her. And and God, I can't just walk away from her and let her stand the way she is. There's no way I can just let it go. I've got to, I've got, God, you, you gave her to me. It's, it's that woman, you, you, you put the love, God, you remember you made me like you. So Adam partakes of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. His eyes were open and shame and fear entered into the human race. And from that day forward, it was a man's attempt to try to get back to God in his own self. We try to do good and we were able to do it for a while and then we fall away. We try to measure up and see if God does approve of, approves of us by our performance and accepts us. All the while not even knowing that God has accepted us from the very beginning. In fact, when Adam sinned, Adam began to hide himself from God. But God never hid himself from man. And all this time we've been taught in church growing up that, boy, you better do right. And if you don't do right, God will hide himself from you. And God's a big hammer and he's ready to come down hard on you if it doesn't do the right thing. And he's ready to pounce on you. Adam didn't do right. And God didn't pounce on him. He came looking for it. God has not hidden himself from mankind. Man, for 4,000 years before Jesus, has been hiding himself, trying to perform and measure up to God. So God went on a quest for 4,000 years, introducing and reintroducing himself into mankind. Because mankind had it so off that what God's intentions and what God really, really feels for man, God said, I've got to show them that how they see me isn't accurate. They see through fear. They see through shame. They see through a lie. So they try to, they're seeing through their self. So they think for some reason that their self has to be pleasing to me. But what they don't understand is their self doesn't please me. So God began to show, raise up men all across the scripture. He raised up Moses. And he says, Moses, I want you to come up on this mountain because I gotta have a people. I've gotta begin to reveal myself and show these people my true heart. He said, Moses, it's so messed up. Man, they they think I'm one way and I'm really not that way. They've got it all wrong. And somehow, Moses, I've gotta raise up somebody to free my people. I've heard their cries. I see the condition that they're living. 
I see what's happening all across the, the world and, and they're underneath all the pressures of life and every time they try to do a little bit better, it seems like the rug gets pulled out from underneath them or they get slapped down to the ground and, 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 and now there's taskmasters and they've got this enemy that's coming after them to try to destroy their life and it's got them all in fear and shame and they're afraid to take a risk. Adam or Moses, they're not even dreaming again. They've lost sight of what I've given them to dream on. They think they're um, they're to manage life and to do the best they can. And at the end of the day, they'll stand before me and I'll measure them up and say, you did okay or you didn't do okay. He said, they've got it all wrong. They forgot that I gave them the entire earth. I gave them the world to create whatever they wanted to create. And they've lost sight of all that I've given them to create. They think they're trying to do something to please me. Like I want this or want that. I want them to create inside of them something greater than I can even do without them. I need them. I want them. I need to see their fingerprints in their life. I need to see them creating. I wanna look back and say, yes, that's my son, I'm well pleased. I wanna look back and I wanna be able to see, I wanna look at the earth and I wanna look at a reflection and I wanna see me but I don't want to have to have robots down there saying, you better do this or you better do that. I need them to be free to create, free to take risk, free to dream, free to fail, free to get back up again, free to fail again and get back up again. I need them to lead. I need them to take charge. I need them to shape what this world is supposed to look like. If they don't shape it at Moses, the enemy will come in and shape it for them. And they'll be working for the very thing that they're supposed to be owning. They'll be underneath the very pressures of life. They'll be doing time when time is supposed to be doing them. Moses says, God, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I can do this. He says, I got to stutter. Moses says, see, or God says, see, Moses, you're, you're coming from that wrong place. I'll take your shortcomings. I'll take your insufficiencies. I'll take your insecurities. I'll take all your past. You know when you were abandoned by your family? You know when you had to run off because you killed a man? You know you, when you, 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 you were trying to figure out life yourself and you, just to survive and you went on about your, I, I'll use all of that, Moses. In fact, Moses, I'm not looking for your strength. I love those weaknesses. Because when you see those weaknesses working for you, Moses, you'll recognize that it's me doing it, not you. And you'll recognize that's the tree of life. But when you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Moses, it's all about what you can do and what you can do. I don't desire, desire you to live a normal, everyday, the best that you can do life. I want you to tap into the creative resources of heaven that I have. Moses, where were you when I created all of this? You, you can't even count the stars. You can't even look up and see how things were made. You're just in awe. Well, I was there. I did it, Moses. And when I did it, I did it with you in mind. So don't look at yourself. Do it and tell them that I am with you. You're going for me, Moses, to free people. You're gonna create something over in Egypt that's gonna free people so they can go to the land that I prepared for them. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. What's that mean? It's a, it's a land of freedom, an opportunity where you can take risk and create all you wanna create. 
It's a place where you, your, your mistakes and your failures and all those things work together for good. And all the things you messed up in your life, somehow God picks up, puts it all back together and makes something powerful out of it. Moses, as long as they stay underneath the safety and the fear of Pharaoh and his army, Moses, they'll never come to a place where they can truly trust me. Moses says, I'll go. I'll tell them. So Moses goes right straight to the enemy's face and he says, Pharaoh, God sent me here for you to let his people go. Go where? They're going to go worship me, worship God in th for three, in three days in the wilderness. And then when they go three days in the wilderness, they're going to worship, and, but we're going to take them to a place that they have no frame of reference how free it really is. They've worked so hard under your tutelage and under your slave masters and, and your taskmasters and underneath all of the, the, the hardships of life. They, they're so used to being in debt. They're so used to working for somebody else. They're so used to working with bad backs, bad bodies, broken relationships, past divorces, bankruptcy, kids in rebellion. They're so used to working in that environment, they're just trying to get their head above water. And I've got a place for them, God said, that flows with milk and honey, where yes, there's problems, but you're on top of those problems as opposed to being underneath the pressures and stresses of life. They've tried it on their own, look where it got them. They don't even have a frame of reference what freedom is. They think freedom is not being sick. They don't know freedom is being healthy. They think freedom's just not just making your payments. They don't know freedom is really building wealth for a generation that follows you. They think freedom is when they just get a couple of days without fighting with your spouse and your children and they get a couple of good days under your belt. They don't know that there's peace that passes their understanding. Moses. They don't even know a place to, as a reference. Get them out of Pharaoh's hand. So here they come. Every one of them came out of that land. Left Egypt, not a feeble one among them. Had resources from Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They get into the wilderness. Because it was in between a place. It wasn't where they were, but it wasn't where they were going to go. And in the middle of the journey, they got weary. And rather than rely on the tree of life or that spirit-led life, they started relying on themselves and looking to Moses to blame. Moses gave them rules and laws to measure up to because they wanted to put it on themselves. Once they started looking at the law, they realized they couldn't keep the law. And there's consequences to the law. So God says, look, if you want to be able to see all the rules and regulations and if you can keep them all, more power to you. But there's not one righteous. There's not one. 
None of you will be able to keep this rule, but I'll show you, if you want to attempt it, what it looks like. So he gave him the law. None of them could keep the law. In fact, all it did was make their lives to measure up to something that was so powerful and pure because the law was so pure and holy. When they looked at the law, they realized how unholy they were. But God never intended for them to look at their humanity because in the garden, if you remember, he made them in his divinity. He made them creating. But when they started looking at the law, they started seeing their, their limitations. And God said, if you want to see your limitations, you're going to look at the end of yourself. But I don't have limitations, God says. Because I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the first and the last. In me is everything. But if you want to look within yourself, you'll see the limitations of mankind in a fallen state. Moses brings them out. Most of those people and all of those older people died in the, in the wilderness and another generation started coming up. And the generation that didn't think like their parents thought. This generation wasn't born under taskmasters. Kind of like you might call it maybe millennial generation. They, they weren't born under the old religious regime. They don't know what, they don't know what. So, th so they're looking for something. They got passion. They got drive. But they need their leadership and direction. But there's two men named Joshua and Caleb that was raised up in that journey. Two guys that had the different spirit than the rest of them. Two guys that when they went ahead and scouted out the land of the promised land, they come back and they said, oh, we can do this. There's giants everywhere, but we can take this. They voted. Now nah, we're not going. We're not going to go. The older people are still living at the time said, no, 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 no. We're safe here. We're not going over there. We're not, no, 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 it's not happening. Because fear and shame still ruled and reigned that generation. When the last person died, Moses, Moses had died. Joshua and Caleb was raised up as leaders. Joshua said, God, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to take every one of those young people that now are older. And I want you to take that generation into the land of promise. And I want you to cross them over and take them to a place where they don't see limitations. They're not afraid of what the obstacles are. They're risk takers. They're dreamers. They're not their daddy's dream or their grandfather's dream. They know how to dream. It's not the way, they're not trying to recreate something that always was to make it better today and put it in a different package. No, something fresh that's coming up out of these people. So Joshua takes them over. Only this time it was different. Joshua took him over following the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord went with him. That's a picture of a generation that transitioned from an old way into a new way. Joshua, Yeshua, means salvation. Moses, one of the greatest prophets to ever live. Still yet, even after accomplishing the crossing over, even after getting to that land of promise, there was still a problem because sin and self and the flesh had never been fully, completely dealt with 
once and for all. So prophets start raising up and people begin to say, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when there's gonna be a man that's gonna come. It's a lamb that's gonna be slain. And that lamb is gonna become an, an, as a man. And when he comes, he's gonna take the sins of all of mankind upon himself. This is what do you mean? How, how, how's this gonna work? We don't have it all figured out. But we do know this. When he comes, the penalty of flesh, sin, and self, and limitations will be out of the way. What do you mean? You mean there'll be no more, there'll be no more sin? Oh, no, 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 I don't know what we're saying there, there'll be no more sin. We're just saying that there's gonna be a different way to live. Where the tree of life was cut off for all those years and all you had to choose was self. This is gonna bring the tree of life back alive again and you're gonna be able to live by the spirit of the tree of life and not have to figure life out on your own. When's it gonna happen? We don't know but it's coming. How will we know? No man knows, but it's coming. Will we recognize him when he comes? I don't, I don't know that we will, but he's coming. What, what, what if I miss it? What if I don't live in that generation? There's coming a generation. David even said it this way. Man, there's a generation of people on the other side of when that man comes that they're gonna live a life with no guilt, no condemnation, and they're gonna be able to dream, and they're gonna be able to believe, and they're gonna be in sync with God, and by the power of the Spirit, whatever they create will be able to be created. Are you kidding me? There's coming a group of, there's gonna be a people. So David and all the prophets of old were going, man, can we live in that day? Can we live in that day? God, we'd give anything to live in that day. God says, you've prepared the way. And a man named John the Baptist raises up on a scene. Son of Zacharias. High priest. John the Baptist looks and says, oh, the fullness of time has come. There's the man that's gonna take away the sins of the world. Take us away, yeah, it's it. So world, there was a generation of people that lived right before that, and there was a generation of people that lived right on the other side of that. And John the Baptist is pointing out, Jesus begins his ministry, and all of a sudden, he begins to say to the people, I'm gonna make this real clear to you. I've come to clear up any misunderstanding that the earth has about the Father, how he feels. When you see me, you've seen him. I'm gonna heal you. I'm gonna deliver you. I'm gonna give you life, and that life more abundantly. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to live in a realm you've never lived in before. I need you creating. As far as Abraham could see, I want you to be able to see. I want you to dream. I want you to take risk. The very reason God prepared and created every individual person in the world has the essence of God living inside of him. The creator himself puts that inside of every person. And it's diverse and it's unique. It's tailored for you and your life. And just because you made mistakes in the past, no, doesn't disqualify you. Just cause you've screwed up royally and made some messes of your life, you're not disqualified. Because this man that was coming did not come to disqualify anybody. This man came to qualify everybody.
from color, from religious background, from socioeconomic background. It didn't matter. This man was coming to bring a diversified group of people and bring them all together as one. One in unity in him, but diversified in their gifts and their talents and their calls of life. He began to touch people, communicate with people, love people. People that were downcasts and outcasts and over society were just ruling out the prostitutes, the, the drug addicts, the, the Samaritans that were people that nobody would talk to because they were from the wrong side of the tracks. They were from a different race. They were from a different ethnicity. But Jesus was still, why? He come talk to them. He I need to talk to you. He broke down barriers and walls. He cut down everything. He didn't care if they were Republican, Democrat, Independent of the Green Party. What? Yeah. He came to make a message. A message of what? I've come to represent to you heaven in the earth. I've come to you to eliminate and remove every obstacle that's in your way about your life. I've come to take sin and put it upon the cross. And I have to die as you because the sentence that was on Adam's life that to die, somebody had to die. I've come to you in this generation, he said, to represent the heart of God and destroy the works of your enemy. I'm taking up on myself. You couldn't get to me so now I come to you. Sin separated you from me. It didn't separate me from you. You were afraid because you were in your trespasses and sins. You were full of shame and condemnation and all the mistakes that you've made and all the, 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 the stuff that you've just created for yourself. You didn't know how to get out of it. I was here the whole time, but you didn't take it upon yourself. You couldn't see clearly because the darkness covered your eyes. So I come down to take the earth, the dirt. I go rub it in the eyes of the blind so they can see again. I've come to show you that I'm the light of the world. I've come to take all of the pressure of the sin that you can't defeat, and I've come to take that pressure up on myself and defeat the sin that's been defeating you. You know, death, hell, grave, sickness, disease, all of those things, accusations, judgments, all those things that, that, that were on your man. I've come to take it upon myself. You can't do it. But I've got to have some people walking with me for a very short time so I can show you how it really is. Because I'm not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here all the time. I've gone on an assignment, and when I'm on that assignment and my assignment's complete, I'm turning it back over to you like it was to Adam in the garden. He started pouring out his heart to the disciples, all 12 of them. He says, guys, man, how long have I got to be with you? You got to love people. You got to recreate. You got to cast out things that are hurting people. People that are under shame, you remove the shame. People that are under guilt, you remove the guilt. 
people that are under torment and confusion, you remove that by giving them peace. Guys, I have peace, he says. I brought heaven's peace to the earth to give to you. The disciples thought, this is wonderful. He's going to set up a kingdom right here. We're going to overthrow the Roman Empire, the Roman government, and we're going to be the guys here on the earth running this whole show with Jesus. Jesus says, you don't even know what, you're, what spirit you're of. That's not how this works. No, 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 no. I'm not from this world, and neither are you. You're connected to something that's bigger and greater and if you'll connect to something bigger and greater, which is the Jehovah God himself, you'll be able to create the world that you want it to be. What do you want it to be? Guys left their businesses. Left their families. Started following after a man that had a word that said, I've come to recreate the earth. Three and a half years he walked with these guys. And he comes to them finally and he says, listen, I'm going to die. I've got to die. And when I die, everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. What do you mean everything's going to change? Everything's going to change. I'm going to nail the ordinances that are, nailed, that, judge, that are judgments against you, I'm gonna nail them to a cross. I'm gonna take all of those things and nail them to a cross. That means every accusation against you is coming on me. Every sickness is coming on me. Every bit of shame is coming on me. Why? Why you do? Because I love you so much. And I've got to have you creating and living life and life more abundantly. I can't have you in a hole somewhere, all holed up because you made so many terrible mistakes and you're afraid to take a risk because you don't even trust yourself. I don't need you to trust yourself. I need you to trust me as you go forward. Trust in self got you in there. Trusting me will get you out of there. So he dies on a cross and nails to a tree, and that's why we celebrate Good Friday. They take him and they bury him in a tomb, but we don't talk about the tomb much because we like the cross and we talk about the resurrection. But what nobody understands, and many people are failed to realize sometimes, is when he was put away in that cross or in that, in that tomb, It was a transition of going from death unto life. And he went down into the bowels of hell, your future home and my future home. And he spoiled principalities and he made an open show of everything that was against you. He made an open show that those things have to work for you. He embarrassed your enemy, when the enemy was trying to embarrass you. He humiliated the one that was there to prosecute you and to persecute you. Now you can 
persecute and prosecute it. How do you do that? By living life. See, there's a time in life where a person gets saved by believing their sins are forgiven, the cross. And then there's a dormant time of life when you feel like, what do I do when, now that I'm saved? Do I just hold on and hang on till he comes back again? Or what, how do I do? What happens now? And we try to hold on and we try to play it safe. And then occasionally we'll get thrust out into life and try to create something and build something and, and take a risk into something because our heart's desire is to do that. And then we make a mess of it in some way or fashion or form. And then we get back over here in the corner again and we're going, oh God, what do I do now? It's easy to stay inside the tomb. But nothing was ever created by sitting on the sideline. Three days later, Jesus starts making himself known and available and seen by those that he walked with before the death. See, we make it about the passion of the week and the passion of the cross. We make it about all those things, but let me tell you why he came. He came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Amen. Period. No comma. Not life and hold on to what you got. Not life and God, I just hope it hurry up and get out of here. I've got a few more years till he comes back or something. No, no. Life and life more abundantly. He wants you to have peace in your life. Peace that passes your understanding. He wants you to create a world that you can pass on to your kids and your kids' kids and kids' kids' kids. He wants you to create that life for them. But what do we do? We run away in fear. We run away hiding. We run, I'm disqualified because of this. I'm disqualified because... It's time for you and me to quit watching the news to see what the world's shape is in based on somebody else doing it. It's up to us, the church, because when Jesus died on the cross, it was just like Adam looking at God saying, it's that woman that you gave me. Jesus looks up at the Father and he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? But Jesus willingly took a bite of the flesh and death, sinless man. No shame on him. No guilt on him. They couldn't find any guilt in him. But he looked at his bride, you and me. We didn't trick him into taking it. He looked at his bride in the condition it was in. He says, my bride can't reproduce in the condition they're in. They can't create. They're in fear. They're in shame. They're in condemnation. They're in worry. They're in anxiety. My God, look at them. I gotta get that off of them. And God says, are you gonna take the cross and eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil and of self by hanging there till death? And Jesus looks back at him and says, it's not my will, but your will be done. These people, my bride, is worth more than me dying. I'm willing to take myself to death because the joy that's on the other side 
of this cross, to see them create, to see them go to heights they've never gone before, to see them be able to dream again and go and be able to do and live life without worries and consequences of fear and shame and condemnation. Come out, come out. And he stood there for a few moments when he came come up after three days. He looks at them and he says, the peace I have, I give you. Now I go away. I'm going away. All power in heaven, in earth, and under the earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Now I give it to you. It belongs to you. Oh, it's more than him dying on a tree. It's more than a tomb that he's borrowed from a man. And it's more than just a resurrection. Oh, God. We don't want to limit those things or make those things small in no regard. But you and I have not even begun to imagine. Eyes haven't seen, nor ears have heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. He's not talking about once you die. He's talking about after he died. He's not talking about once you go over there. He's talking about once you unlock what's in here. He's not talking about one day it's gonna happen. He's talking about today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. You're living in a world you're living in a world that's falling apart. You're living in a world that's trying to look for direction. I'm calling out the church, the bride that was birthed from his side. As Eve was birthed from the side of Adam, the church was birthed from the side of Christ. You now have been birthed. You've now been born again. It's time for you and I to rise up and give Jesus the fruit of his burial and his resurrection and his cross. The reward of his suffering are you and me. We need to be a living testimony, just like Brendan and Helen's business birthing this year. Ronnie, Rhonda and Lonnie Black, her getting her healing after 15 years. Jim losing a job and after 17 years and Pam praying and saying, this ain't gonna happen this way. Something has to turn out. We can't live in ambiguity, ambiguous life anymore. We have got to live in terminal right now. This is it. It stops right now. We're putting an end to death before death tries to put an end to you. And everything that's trying to take you out has got to work for your good. You can't get fired on your job without landing something better. You can't. He owes you 15 years, Rhonda. The enemy for 15 years tormented you and took 15 years of your life. He can't take another day. How much money have you invested and you know it, you've invested and you've invested and invested. He owes you everything he's tried to steal from you. And we're calling it out to create and to dream. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for me for just a moment? I want to do two things. This is a happy Easter. Because 2018 isn't like any other year. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for me just a moment, please? 
There's nobody looking around. I recognize that many people in here today, I'd give the gospel, I'd give the whole Bible in 30 minutes. And I skipped over a lot of good stuff. But one thing I'm not gonna skip over real quickly is unless you have accepted Christ as your savior, and what I mean by that is you've acknowledged that you've lived for and from yourself and you're willing and willing right now to yield yourself over to his life to go from condemnation, shame and guilt and fear to a life that has life and more abundantly. I'm not asking you to know what it looks like beyond this moment, but I am asking you to accept this moment. With nobody looking around, I want you to slip your hand up when I count to three. If you're ready to give your heart to the Lord today and say, today's my day to turn it all around. Nobody's looking around. I'm gonna count to three. Slip your hand up. One, two, three. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand in the back. Your hands over here. I see your hand. I see you. Yes. All of you that raise your hand, it doesn't matter who you are, what background you're from, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to come up to the front real quickly. Thank you. Come on up here. Yeah. Anybody else? I need a couple of guys to come up and pray with them if you don't mind. This is a turnaround for some people today. It's gonna be a turnaround for you. And perhaps you're already saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If something happens to you today, you'll spend the rest of your life in eternity with Christ. But if you live, my goal is for you to live life and that life more abundantly. See, God had a dream. But God's dream had to die so that your dream could live. God's dream was to be in fellowship and live a life with mankind, looking at the earth and seeing himself. Jesus had to die. He had to take on the form of man, become a man to die but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he arose from the grave. And because he lives, your dream can live also. I'm gonna challenge you. We just finished our first 90. And now we're moving into the next 50. The next 50 is 
power. We need proof in the pudding. We need results in your life and mine. No theoretical, esoterical responses. Jesus said, here, for 40 days, he showed himself to the people. He said, here, touch me. I'm okay. Touch me. He showed himself within 40 days of infallible proof. Over the next 50 days, I want you to put God to the test. When you leave here, there's going to be little pieces of fabric. Take home, just write on a note. Would you get your dream off the shelf? The thing you quit even praying about. Get it out of the trash can if you put it away. And put him to the test. And don't settle for less than what you really desire. If you guys will, real quickly, go ahead and start passing them out, if you don't mind. Just take one with you, and I'm gonna pray after everybody gets one. I want you to remind yourself, put it in your wallet, your purse, put it on your refrigerator, carry it around. As we look at this incredible globe that was made by Jonathan and his team, Jonathan Cox and his team, Seth and Tom and all the others that helped get it where it needed to go. It's symbolic. I gotta have you dreaming again. You gotta have you dreaming again. I gotta dream again. We've had some ups and downs in these first 90, but you made it through. And I promise you, your life's better today than it was when we started it. Has to be. And the next 50, gonna be even stronger. We're maturing as a body, not just individually as people, but as a body, as a whole. And we're going places that perhaps you've never gone, but your heart's desire to go there. I've never been more excited to see the body of Christ of going through what we're going through right now across the whole country because I believe there is a, a springing forward that we've never experienced before. You're gonna do it. You're gonna make it. You're gonna come out from behind all that stuff we've been hiding from, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, all the reasons, all the excuses. No more procrastination. No more putting it off. No more thinking about it but never doing it. It's time to get engaged. It's time to go hard. It's time to go fast. You and God. You don't do this by yourself. You're doing it because his life is working through you. And you'll begin to see things happen in your life that you never could have ever dreamed. Take the step, take the plunge, take the risk. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. This is going to be one of the most incredible experiences you've ever had in your life. I know it sounds silly. It sounds like even weird. I'm not doing that. If you don't write it on the fabric, write it on the fabric of your heart. Because I pray today you got arrested by the power of the Holy Spirit 
you got convicted and then you got set free all at the same time. You are now free to dream, free to go, free to risk, free to live and live life and that life more abundantly. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person that's here today, every family that's represented here today, every family that's gonna shape their future, God, for generations to come. This is the best time to be alive. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for being buried in a tomb and hiding away all the things that can't come out of that closet for us. And we thank you, God, that you resurrected after three days, but you didn't just stay in the tomb. You came out and showed yourself how life is supposed to be. You gave us a reason to live, a reason to dream, a reason to create. Now, God, we go here from this place. Our hearts are renewed. Our mind is refreshed and we're ready to go forward and dream again and go after those things that you've called us to be. We refuse to let you lay dormant in our hearts and just live life in a doldrum every single day. We're asking you, God, to roar from our life. Roar like a lion. We know you as the lamb, but we now need to know you as the lion. The one that roars from the, the tribe of Judah that takes us from this place and pushes out everything that's in our way. That at the end of the day, we know that we are living life in you and that life more abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Happy Easter. God bless you all. Cause you're dreaming with your eyes wide open So come alive